We are the last week of this sermon series beyond the ballot look look has it been like it's been stretching us like, uh, i'm ready for something a little more like simple jesus and i will be completely honest with you that i went into i was uh i was speaking in north carolina in the middle of the week and um the per, the group that i was there with they were asking me like you got to preach sunday i was like yeah like oh man is this gonna make more work for you know i'm like we're at the end of a sermon series i feel like it's gonna be pretty smooth man was i wrong like <laughs> i had like like all of the things were planned and I was like, oh yeah, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. Last night I got to like sitting down, like I'm just gonna put together these slides because it's all together. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh man, there's still more. Like <laughs> it's like I'm sitting in front of these slides. I'm like, oh, this just there's more here. And uh so um if you like fresh baked bread, <laughs> this one's still hot because it was <laughs> I just finished this last night. Uh, so I am, um, but I'm grateful for it because honestly, it was even challenging me. Uh, so uh, where the title of the sermon is Unity of, excuse me, Unity in Our Faith. And um, we will be in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. Some of you are like, what are these rabbits for? Let me tell you now. It's not just because they're cute. Um, th- Honestly, as I was kind of prepping this sermon, um, this is one of those sermons. I don't actually like going on rabbit trails when <laughs> I preach, right? Like some of, t- some of you have like had pastors and preachers where they start off talking about a subject and then they spend 15 minutes talking about something that has nothing to do with it. I don't enjoy that. But this sermon actually requires a bit of a rabbit trail <laughs> and the slides will have rabbits on them. <laughs> the ones that are the rabbit trail will have rabbits on them, and you can find them on there. It'll be a nice little Where's Waldo for you. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. Father, thank you for your, um, your word. Thank you for scripture, which truly are your values. It's your, it's your heart. It's your, um, your desire for the relationship between you and creation, us, and how we even care for the rest of the world, put on paper and on a screen and preserved for us. So Lord, as we dive into that preserved heart of yours, uh, may our hearts align with you, may our spirits be with you, may our minds be open not to just any and everything but your voice, So, Lord, everything that I say, bring glory to your name, God. May it honor you. God, may it build up this body of believers. And, Lord, ultimately, may we be able to leave this place um, with a fullness of having been in your presence and having our minds renewed by that. God, we trust you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I have started all of these sermons with some, like, disclaimers about what Scripture doesn't do or what Scripture isn't. But this one, I get to start with a Scripture, with something that Scripture was written with. It was written with diversity in mind. 
We don't always think about or talk about that. But even the Old Testament is written with diversity in mind. Like the, so for those of us who kind of like spending some time or read quite a bit in the Old Testament, it may feel like it's just written to like these people who it's like this one small group and just one sect of humanity. And honestly, it's written for all of humanity even back in that time. And there are people coming into the Jewish faith from all kinds of different faiths and bringing all kinds of different cultures and perspectives. And Scripture always has that in view when it's being written, both Old Testament and New Testament. And that's an important puzzle piece because we don't always act like that. We kind of act like it's like this singular way of thinking is we have to have this perspective. Scripture in and of itself is the singular perspective, but it encompasses multiple perspectives so that it honestly can be spread across the globe. That's the only way you can do that, right? It's practical. It's not that deep. You just can't reach everybody with only one way of thinking, you have to be able to have something that encompasses the globe. And so it was written with diversity in mind. And when we jump into this portion of scripture, I'm not just talking about unity for our church. This portion of scripture will be talking about unity in the church, the big C church, right? All of us. The big C church encompasses everyone who calls themselves followers of Christ, People in West Michigan and West Philadelphia, people in California and China, people in Russia and Ukraine, people in Gaza and Israel, right? People on both sides of political lines and people who couldn't give a rip politically, right? All of us, if we say that we are followers of Christ, that's the church I'm talking about. And that's the church that Paul is writing to when he's writing Ephesus. He's writing something for the church, the big C church. So we got to jump in. um, And uh, most of our text, if you will, like write the part of Scripture that's kind of the Um, focal point actually starts at at verse 13, but we need to read verses 11 and 12 um, to kind of understand 13. So let's jump there. Chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. It's not the only gift represented for the body of Christ, but specific, there's a specific task that these uh, giftings play in the church. He continues, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You saw the bunny ears, I hope. That's where our rabbit trail begins. (laughs) Paul is beginning this talking about 
apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers having a responsibility to build up the body of Christ until we have experienced so much unity that we are fulfilling what the standard of Christ is. But what is the standard of Christ? Like, <laughs> right? That's where our rabbit trail actually begins. So I think we need to kind of see a couple of things before then. Jesus is asked by some Pharisees, they're trying to trap him in, what's the most important law in the, in the Bible? Like, right? That's what they ask him. Jesus says, I'm paraphrasing, love God with your full self, love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. All of the law and prophets are wrapped up into this statement, right? This is the standard by which Jesus says we are to live in terms of the law. And so that matters significantly in that time period, but it matters significantly to us too. This is the stuff that we've heard before. This doesn't feel new to us. It would have not been new to them, but they may not have put as much weight as believers actually do. This is our law. You know that song? Um, uh, It's a Christmas song. His law is love and his gospel is peace, right? Like, this is the law that Christ actually calls us to live. Love God with your full self. Love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. There's some other things that kind of is a part of the foundation of Jesus's way of talking about this. But for, for us as disciples, John chapter 13, 34 through 35 says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus does not say how well you adhere to following such and such rule or how well you grow this or how well you do that. That will prove to the world that you're my disciples. We miss this quite often. (laughs) We miss this quite often, right? We're looking at how big a congregation is, or we're looking at how successful or wealthy somebody is and say, ooh, God's hand is all over them. Yes, bless the Lord on my soul. I want to get involved with that. And that has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not They are proving to the world that they are disciples. There's place for that, but that's just not the standard. The standard by which the world will know that we are disciples of Christ is by how we love one another, other disciples. And so if we fail miserably at that, doesn't mean that God doesn't want us. It just means that we failed miserably at showing the world what a disciple looks like. That's the standard part, right? There's another portion of scripture when Jesus is praying in John chapter 17. He's praying for us and he says this toward the end of his prayer. I am in them and you are in me. He's talking to the father. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus's standard has absolutely nothing to do with how many times you say wrong things or how many times we do certain things or how many times we don't do them. Jesus's standard has everything to do with how we are loving one another, how we are loving God, how we're loving our neighbors, how we're loving ourselves, and even how we focus on being united with one another. So when Paul is talking about standard, he's talking about that. 
this rabbit trail isn't done yet because that creates a little bit of tension for us. There's some tension in that because sometimes that gets misused, right? Just as much as it's easy to be legalistic and say, you got to do this, you can't play cards and you can't dance. Some of y'all grew up like that. <laughs> right? Y'all couldn't even participate in the UNO tournament. Because <laughs> your rules told you you couldn't shuffle cards. <laughs> but there's also the pendulum swing of none of it matters. As long as I love, I'm good. Love, 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 cotton candy, give me bubblegum flavor. Right? That's not it either. We are actually responsible for living the pattern teachings of Scripture. It's just not the standard by which we're judged. That's an important thing for us. Why, why would I say it that way, right? We'll, we'll stay on this rabbit trail for a little bit, and then we'll come off of it. It's important that we live Scripture because that's a part of actually showing the world how God designed humans to care for the world. That's, and that's an important puzzle piece. But even if you don't do that, it's not the standard by which you are judged. The standard by which you are judged is your relationship to Christ. Right. Right? So I need to see this, this next image. Um, it's like when you get a test that's graded on a curve. Right. So for those of us for whom that might not be a familiar concept, sometimes um, professors or instructors they give you the test, and this is all of the stuff that you should have been able to cover in this lesson, and so I want you to be graded on this, but sometimes takes into account that there have been challenges like a pandemic or <laughs> takes into account like we had five snow days during this moment, right? And then, and then brings in a curve to kind of take in what's the average of the student's performance, and then we'll allow that to be the top, not 100%, but the average of the student's performance is the top, right? So that means some people who may have failed actually pass the test. That doesn't take away anything from the people who got 100%. It just means that there are some people who may have failed who actually end up passing the test. Jesus is the curve, right? Jesus is the standard by which we are judged. Not how well you, like, not if you came to Sunday service every single Sunday that you could in a year. It is, what's your relationship, what's your relationship like with Christ? How are you doing with loving God and loving your neighbor? Those are the standards by which Jesus actually holds us. And so, coming away from the rabbit trail, Going back to where Paul is talking, he's talking about these gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, them building up the body so that we could live into this unity that shows the world the standard of Christ. Some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have taught political views as the standard, though. And that's where things get messy. Right? That's why I actually had to go through that rabbit trail because sometimes, for many of us in our history, we have had pastors and teachers 
bring political views to the same place of the standard of Christ and say, here you go, now go live it. And that's a part of what actually makes us ununified. <laughs> it tears apart our unity because the political standards, political beliefs, they may be strong, but they're not the standard. And the truth is they need to have a lot more wiggle room and movement based upon even this political system that we live in. So you have some churches taking strong stances on one particular issue, one particular topic, and saying all believers need to be over here. And then you have another political, or excuse me, pastor, spiritual leader saying all believers need to be over here, and both are off. Both are off. That doesn't mean that we don't have political minds as believers. It just means that's not the standard. <laughs> I went on that long rabbit trail so we know what the standard is. The standard is love God, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the standard. If Jesus is the curve and not grading us on how well we adhere to one way of being on this planet aside from loving, then the pastors, apostles, evangelists, preachers, teachers, they've, they've gone rogue. That's a strong statement. But I also, but I do believe, I say it that way because I believe it's true. Paul is not saying that to them because it's something that will only impact them. They too are being tossed back and forth by all these different ways of seeing it. And they have spiritual leaders saying, you got to do it this way. You got to do it that way. You have to do it that way. And Paul says, once we're living this standard of Christ, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. When we're living that standard, when we're teaching that standard, when we're helping one another grow in that standard, you get to still keep your political opinions and you still will not be tossed back and forth by the belief that God's going to ask you who you voted for when you get to pearly gates. That is not a thing. Uh, going over your voting records here, in 2022, it looks like you voted yes on Proposal 3. <laughs> I promise you that is not a thing. <laughs> I haven't been up there and seen it yet, but I promise you that's not a thing. We're held responsible for living out godly principles because they show the world how God intends for humanity to care for the earth. That's it. But don't be in any way convinced that, you're, that who you vote for, how you vote, is, a, is in some way going to be a part of how you're judged as righteous or unrighteous, whether or not God wants you to be a part of his family, whether or not you are actually a believer, because 
That's being tossed back and forth by every wind of new teaching. That's what that looks like. So the one who can insult the other politician enough, oh, they have a point. That feels good. That's where I'm going. Or even the one who says, I'm not going to insult. I'm going to tell you just what I think. Oh, God's over there. No, (laughs) That's, that's not it. Something that we need to have in the back of our minds as we participate this year, we will hear several lies this year. (laughs) But the most dangerous is that those on the other side are the enemy. You can rest assured that you're going to hear a lot of lies. And I'll let you discern, pray through how you navigate that. But the most dangerous one is that the people who think differently than you are your enemy. That is a lie that has been spun, and I'm going to be dramatic because I like that sometimes. It's been a lie that's been spun by Satan specifically to keep you from having close connection and unity with those whom you share faith. It's spun that way on purpose. And the rest of the world might not have the standard of loving God and loving your neighbor, may not have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to not be tossed back and forth by that, but that's not our excuse. We do have it. (laughs) We have a tool by which we should be able to maintain our unity. So when someone says this to me, that, man, they think differently than the way we think, then they're, they're out to get us. They're against us. Mm, no, they just think different. <laughs> we can say that. And what about when they do speak, think differently? Paul has some words for that, too. Not being tossed back and forth, but instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. There could be another rabbit trail, but I promise we're not going there. What is the truth? It's not a rabbit trail, but I do want us to keep this in mind. The truth is universal. It works on every single side of every single line. Strong opinions are valid, but the truth is something that exists for all of creation. So it is applicable to all of creation. So when we speak the truth, we're not just speaking your strong opinion in love. <laughs> right? That's not what Scripture is saying. You won't believe, most of us as believers aren't arguing truth. <laughs> we're arguing strong opinions. But when we speak the truth in love, we do something that builds the body of Christ up and also 
shows the world something that's needed. Your unbelieving neighbors, friends, cousins, children, nephews, nieces, everybody else in your family who is not rocking with Jesus needs to actually see who Jesus is. Jesus is consistently calling people who were born enemies to be siblings. That is consistently who Jesus is. Jesus is consistently bringing black and white folks together in a world that is strange and covertly racist here in West Michigan and saying, you're siblings. Jesus is bringing different parts of the Hispanic and Latinx communities who were born enemies and saying, it's not just your native language that makes you siblings. I do. Jesus is consistently bringing together people who are below the poverty line and people who are so astronomically above it that they don't even think about the line and saying you're siblings. Jesus is bringing the far right and the far left, not making them be in the middle, but saying, listen, you're siblings. And when the world sees that, that is actually when they see Jesus. So, something that we can have. We can have political discourse without relational discord. I did that because it's alliteration. But discourse, just meaning conversations, even debate. We really can. Sometimes if you're an external processor like I am, you actually need to talk about it. I need someone to talk about this with. And it's actually to my benefit to have someone to talk about with who doesn't currently see it the way I do so I can understand more. That is of benefit to us. That's discourse. Discord is you see it differently, so by definition that means we're separated. There's animosity between us. My opinion and your opinion do not align, so then that means we're not together. That's discord. We don't need that. So um, I have a little asterisk, a small group experience. Um, there, we've been invited um, by a group here in, the, um, in Grand Rapids called the Colossian Forum to participate with um, like a small group experience. They're kind of developing a curriculum for people to talk about politics within the body of Christ. Um, that is, uh, um, so the Colossian Forum is who we did the... Uh, documentary with, their whole mission is the church is separated and how can we be a part of changing that, (laughs) right? So they're putting together curriculum for small groups to go through to talk about, honestly, to talk about political things in a place where you get to actually do that, political discourse without relational discord. And how is it that the body of Christ can represent this well to the world around us? If that's something you're interested in, just shoot an email, welcome at unisongr.com, and we'll get you connected to it. Um, because it would be cool. It's not something that everybody at the church has to go through. But some of you, like, 
you, I mean, you like talking about political things. <laughs> like, that's your vibe. Like, you want to talk about it. This could be a good place for you. Because I do think that the, the voice of the church is very much needed in political spaces. Right? It just should not overwhelmingly influence how we care about one another within the church. Right? All right. Last thing, um, and this was something that Ben said. I kind of changed a little bit of the wording, but as we were prepping, um, uh, Ben said this last thing. And honestly, they rocked me. Don't allow yourself to be discipled by those who profit from from competing for your attention. He said it a little bit differently, but that was the gist of what it was. What does it mean to be discipled? Disciple is someone who is following in such a way that they become a representation of. So as Christ's disciples, we should be following Christ and Christ's ways in such a manner that we become a representation of Christ. Do not allow yourself to be discipled by someone who is competing for your attention. Like they, they are profiting from fighting one another just to get you on their side. That doesn't mean that you don't get to agree with them. Just saying, don't allow them to be the one that you're following to the point in which you're actually living more like an extreme side of anything than living like Christ. Because there is a point in which we've seen this, and some of us are actually, we've been around the sun enough times to see this, Political parties change their opinions. Some of us have been alive long enough to know when the Republican Party looked a lot more like the Democratic Party (laughs) and vice versa. They shift, they change. But that's every wind of new doctrine and that doesn't have to be how we are. So, throughout this whole series, it's been kind of convicting um, I won't say kind of. It's been very convicting for, for, for many of us. And I actually want to give us a moment. This, there's a song that we sang, and I'm actually going to have the worship team come back up. Um, the, the first song that we sang, um, it's really about surrender. <laughs> um, it really is about making ourselves available to God. For some of us, that is a brand new thought. The idea of rocking with Jesus and actually living out faith in my day-to-day life and even what faith might look like is a new thought. And I actually want to invite you to consider this relationship with God, this God that loves us beyond our fault, beyond where we're getting it wrong, and says the standard isn't how many times you got it right today, but the standard is How are you loving God and how are you loving one another? But then there's some of us legitimately for whom I came into this series with Jesus on the throne and my political opinions kind of like sitting on the edge of the throne. (laughs) They they were sitting on the arm of his chair. And I actually want to encourage you right now to have some moment of surrender as well. 
I want to be clear, not surrendering what you think. Just taking it off of the throne. It can have its own chair over in the corner, just not on the throne. So as we sing, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to invite members of the prayer, like prayer partners to kind of be engaged as, as people may come and they might want to pray. But you also, look, all, you all can pray too. <laughs> um, but if, you need to, if you'd like to spend some time with a prayer partner to just come and pray with them, also spending some time at the altar and just having this time of surrender as we sing this song together. Um, and then we'll pray and then kind of close out. So, Father, we give you our hearts. We give you ourselves, or even our minds, God. We want to be people who love you with our whole self, our mind, our body, our soul, our strength. We also want to be people who love our neighbors. And we, God, we want to be people who love ourselves well, because that is the mirror by which we love our neighbors. So God, where we have been deceived into believing lies that toss us back and forth, God, we surrender those to you now. We want to live, God, as you would have us live. We surrender that we surrender, God, to your will and to your spirit. We just echo the words of this song. We'll make room for you to do whatever it is that you want to do in our lives, God. We trust you. So as we go, may we go with the strong conviction of loving God with our whole self, loving our neighbor as ourselves. May we live that standard and may the world see a unity that is the picture image of Christ. In Jesus' name, Father, now that I'm even thinking and praying, bless our country. As we are in a potentially highly contentious season, Some of us feel that more intensely than we have in the past. God bless our country and our leaders. Leaders we agree with and leaders we don't. They still need your guidance. Will you put people in their courts, in their circle that are led by your spirit that will advise them to live and to lead in such a way that brings glory to your name? We can ask you for that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.